Hallelujah. How many of you excited about the word? He sent his word to heal us and to deliver us, didn't he? From every form of destruction. There's not anything that he will not do. If we dare to trust him, believe his word, act on his word, he'll see to it that it comes to pass. Amen. Our job is to respond to him and his word. And then it's his job to honor his word and hasten to bring it to pass. That's his job. That's his promise. We're in a covenant relationship with the Lord. And therefore, because of that covenant that we have with him, we have everything that he gave us a covenant in, whatever that happened to be. How many of you know he took care of everything that pertains to the natural man? Took care of everything according to the soulish man? Your mind, your will, your emotion took care of your spiritual man. So there's nothing that has been undone that he hasn't already taken care of. Spirit, soul, and body. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm in covenant with the Lord. And he's taking care of everything. In my spirit, in my soul, and in my body. Amen. Well, tonight... Uh, number one, I'm honored. Thank you, Pastor Je- Justin, for asking us to, to minister tonight. I was scheduled for next week, uh, but uh, that's okay. Bible says for us to be instant in season and out of season. Well, I'm in season. Amen. I'm in season. I, I believe I have something that the Lord's laid on my heart. We've been, how many of you know the body of Christ has been attacked? The whole world has been attacked. But that is nothing new. The devil has always been up to the same old thing that he's always been up to, which is no good. There's nothing that he uh, uh, does except steal, kill, and destroy. So if there's anything that's come your way to steal, to kill, or to destroy, it comes from the devil. It doesn't come from God. God is not the afflictor. Satan has come to steal, kill, and to destroy. John 10.10 says very clearly that the thief came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But he said, I've come. I have come that you might have life and have that life more abundantly. Tonight I want to talk just for a little bit on healing our redemptive right. I'm in covenant relationship. With the Lord Jesus Christ, God my Father, and the Holy Spirit is the one that carries out all of the promises and the provisions of the will and the Word of God. And so you and I, whenever we get into a circumstance or a situation in life, uh, whenever we cry out unto the Lord, then the Lord is going to respond. He's obligated himself by the blood of his Son to see to it that whatever it is that we have need of, based upon the will of God, the Word of God, He is going to bring it to pass. And it doesn't make any difference whether it's COVID-19 or if it's cancer or if it's any other disease known to mankind. Jesus Christ has already taken care of it. Now, my physical body... Now, some people say, well, no, we're faith word people. Are we not? But some faith word people think that you never will be afflicted with any type of circumstance or situation. The, the Bible is quite contrary to that. He said that there are many afflictions that take place in the righteous. And it can come by way of physical. It can come by way of mental. It can come by way of spiritual attack. And so Jesus has taken care of it all. But one area that we really want to dwell, dwell into or jump into is the area of healing for our life. We've been talking about it. We've been, uh, we've been uh, declaring the fact that the Word of God and the will of God for you and I is so that we can walk in the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And so, uh, how many of you have had some attack upon your life physically? Just about everybody in here. Some way or another. But nonetheless, it's an attack. You know, in James chapter 5, it says, is any sick among you? Is any sick among you? Now, first, faith word people don't talk that way. 
And the truth of the matter is, is why would we call for the elders of the church if we're going to have to admit we've been sick? But yet he made it very clear in the scripture, if any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church that they might anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of faith. And if they've committed any sin, it would be forgiven them. And then he would end up healing their bodies. Why? Because we have a covenant with God. God obligated himself by his word to bring to pass the provisions that Jesus paid for. Legally, legally, everybody on this earth is saved. Legally, according to the blood, everybody is healed. Everybody is delivered. The problem has been is that we, as the body of Christ, many times we are looking to God to do everything whenever the Lord said, I've already done it all. What else can he do? He can't heal anybody else because they're already healed. From God's perspective, you're already healed. It doesn't make any difference if it's coronavirus. It doesn't make any difference if it's cancer. It doesn't make any difference if it's an eye problem or, uh, you know, a, a heart problem or whatever the case might be. According to what Jesus did over 2,000 years ago, he settled the issue. If he settled the issue, then we need to settle it in our heart. We need to trust the Lord with all of our heart and stop leaning to our own understanding. But in all of our ways, acknowledge him and he's going to direct our paths in what to do and how to do it. He told the church, he says, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. You know, I've said this a number of times, but you know, we pastored for 41 years and very seldom did we get telephone calls for people to come and pray for us. They always called the doctor first. Well, you got quiet. They always call the doctor first. Why would we call the doctor first? Why don't we call on heaven first? And if you need to go to the doctor, okay. It's okay. All knowledge comes from the Lord. What do you think that he got his knowledge? He didn't just dream that up. He didn't just manufacture that. He didn't, he didn't invent that. God places in man's mind the ability to do what we do do, do today on this earth. Go with me to Acts, if you would, please. Acts chapter number 10, verse number 38. Now, how many of you all, how many of you all know that Jesus lived out his life based upon the old covenant promise of provision with the intent to implement a new covenant in his blood? Jesus lived it out. Then he fulfilled the old covenant. So that you and he ratified it, he satisfied it, he fulfilled it, and he gave us all the promises and provisions of the old, and then he put it together with the new, which made it a bigger and a better promise. So in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with what? With what? With power. With power. He had power. If he has power and you have him, what do you have? What do I have? Power. And if I have power and I have the same authority and the same ability as Jesus, Jesus told us to go and do what he did. He told us to do. He said, not only will you do the things that I've done, but you will do even greater things. He went about doing good, healing all, healing all, healing all who were oppressed by God. Who were oppressed by God. Who were oppressed by our friends. 
our moms, our dads, our brothers, our sisters, our aunts, our uncles, who went about doing good and taking care of everyone that was oppressed by the devil. The devil is the culprit that's behind all of this stuff. And God gets blamed for a lot of things. How many of you have an insurance policy that says everything is uh, taken care of with, except for the acts of God? Well, if you read your, your insurance policies, you'll find that there are some things that are acts of God that will not be covered. And then they determine what the acts of God are. But I want you to know we have a covenant. The covenant has established a promise of provision in everything in life. And so he goes on and it says, for God was with him. How many of you believe God was with Jesus? How many of you believe that God was Jesus? It is amazing. It amazes me. We have a lot of Christians, not you because you came to church on Wednesday night. But we have a lot of Christians that do not really believe that Jesus is who he says that he is. They believe in the redemptive work. They do believe in the fact. And they are truly born again. But they do not understand and they have not gotten a revelation that they have a covenant with Almighty God. And in that covenant, every need that you will ever have need of in your life has already been satisfied. When are you going to get healed? Well, I got healed 2,000 years ago. I am the healed. Well, but my body's not saying I'm the healed. Well, call those things that be not as though they are. He said, let the weak say I'm strong. The coronavirus makes people weak. It gets them in fear. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love, and a sound mind. He came to set the captive free. I'm free. I'm free to love him. I'm free to serve him. And it doesn't make any difference what my body is saying. My body has to line up because he made provision. He said, if I would give, it would be given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Would he cause men to give back into my bosom? If I'll just give, if I'll just do it, if I will plant seed, if I will sow seed into the kingdom of God, he said that it, that we would see, he would see to it that it was multiplied back. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. That's his promise of provision in our life. But he expects us to act upon what it is that he's told us to do. James said it this way. Faith without works is dead or void of result. Just because God said it doesn't mean I'm walking in it. Just because God said it doesn't mean I'm enjoying the benefits of all of the provisions that are mine. If I was to tell Joseph tonight, Joseph... Underneath one of these seats in this auditorium is a check for you for $1 million. What are you going to do, Joseph? But there's people sitting in some of those seats. What Joseph is going to do, he's going to be a gentleman. He's going to be polite. He's going to come up to, uh, to Brad and he's going to say, Brad... Uh, I've looked underneath every seat except the one that you're sitting in. And I would really appreciate it if you'd move. And uh, Brad says, I'm not moving. I am not moving. What are you going to do, Joseph? This is the last seat, man. 
this is the last seat. This is your brother in Christ. But underneath that seat is a check for $1 million for Joseph. What are you going to do? He's not going to compromise. So, Brad, you're coming out of the seat by whatever means. He's going to try to encourage you. He's going to try to coax you and everything else. If you won't get up, then he's going to move you. Or he'll get somebody else to assist him to help move you. And anybody that assists him to help move you, they're going to want to cut. But that's what he's going to do. Jesus has done exactly that very thing. He said, look. I've given you a covenant in my blood. I've gone about doing good, healing all that are oppressed of the devil because God's with me. God is still with me. Jesus Christ is the same. Hebrews 13, 8 says, he is the same yesterday. He is the same today and forever. He's not changing. Nothing is changing according to the will and the word of God. The only thing that changes is you and I. Whether I go after it or I don't. I can either give in to the enemy and let him have his way. Or I can fight tooth and toenail and get everything that's rightfully mine. If I don't have a revelation, I go after the revelation. I'm not going to be denied. I'm not going to be set aside and pushed off to the side. It is my right to walk in health. Not just to get healed. He said, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper, be in health, even as your soul prospereth. He wants us blessed. That is God's desire. That's his covenant. It's his promise. And we shouldn't be fighting over whether I can be sick or not. Well, pastor, are you saying coronavirus isn't real? No, I'm telling you, it's real. It's the real deal. But I don't have to accept it because it does not carry goodness with it. It does not carry faithfulness with it. It does not carry completeness with it. It does not have joy and love and temperance and long-suffering and meekness attached to it. It has suffering and heartache and heartbreak. There's many people tonight that are heartbroken because they've lost family members due to this virus that has come out that the devil has perpetuated throughout the earth. Maybe it was created by man. I don't know. Doesn't make any difference. It's here. We can't deny it. We can't ignore it. We have to stand up in faith and believe God in his covenant. Because he's a covenant-keeping God. Isaiah, if you would please, chapter 53. Is this sounding too hard to you? Church, we are in covenant with the Lord. Preaching is for exhortation. It's for correction and it's for reproof and instruction in righteousness so that we can get to the appointed destination. How do I get from point A to point B? The journey is not always easy to get from one point to the next point, but the point is, is we can get there because Jesus made a way. He said, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. He said, nobody's going to come to the Father but by me. He made it very very simple for all humanity. Jesus is the answer. It is not a whole bunch of other religions. Jesus said, I am the way. That kind of narrows it down. Wouldn't you say? I'd say God is pretty narrow-minded when it comes to the fact that he sent his son. That is it. Buddha cannot do it. Hare Krishna cannot do it. Sun Yang Moon cannot do it. Muhammad cannot do it. 
Jesus is the way. He is the truth, not a truth. He's the only answer. Isaiah, you're in Isaiah chapter 53. Let's start at verse number three. He said, he is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid it, uh, hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Verse four. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him smitten or stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded. Say he was wounded. He's not going to be. This is the prophetic utterance given by Isaiah concerning the Messiah, the one that they had been looking for. This is the one, this is what he's going to do to secure and seal a new covenant relationship between, between mankind and God himself. How many of you know Emmanuel is God with us? It's not just Jesus, Christ, the anointed one in his anointing. He was God. He is God. And he always will be. It is God the Father. It is God the Son. It is God the Holy Spirit. They are one. They move as one. They think as one. And they bring to pass as one. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are here, healed. Spirit, soul, and body. All three things were mentioned right there. He was going to take care of man's spirit because man was lost. Because of high treason in the garden by Mr. and Mrs. Adam. Did you know that they were Mr. and Mrs. Adam? It wasn't until after sin that she got a name. They were Mr. and Mrs. They were one. United as one. That's what he said. That the man and the woman should come together, not man and man together, and not woman and woman together. That's what God said. The Word says anything outside of man and woman is an abomination. Well, Pastor, you're not supposed to say that. That's... That's, you know, that's, that's stirring up things against other people. No, it's not. It's telling the truth. You'll know the truth. The truth makes you free. You ever notice that a female and another female can't produce any other child? A male and a male cannot produce a child? They have to adopt a child. Well, what about the sex change, Pastor? What do you think about that? I think it's an abomination. That's what I think it is. You are what you are. When you were born, you were created by the handiwork and and Almighty God himself in your mother's womb. Why would you want to change what God did? Because man has been stupid. He's listening to the lies of the devil. Moms and dads haven't put on the right kind of cloak upon their lives uh, to, to let the word of God become first place in their life. And they've let other things enter in and choke out everything. That's good preaching, whether you say amen or not. And it says, And all we as like sheep are gone astray. We have turned every one of us to our own way. That's the problem. And the Lord hath laid on him. Him who? Jesus, the Messiah, the one that he's prophesying about, has laid on him what? The iniquity of us all. How many? How many people do you think he was talking about? All of them. Red, yellow, black, brown, and white. And if there's another color I don't know about, that one too. 
But he's taking care of everything. The church that I last pastored for 28 years, half of our congregation was black. The other half was white. And I was thrilled by it. I thought it was absolutely amazing. We had over 17 nations represented. You're not supposed to be listening to that. It better be God. That's never happened. Somebody's trying to talk to me. Sorry about that. Where was I at? Oh. Anyway, there was always, there was always, they, you know, people always said there has to be a, there has to be a challenge because of the different uh, nations, the different colors and everything else. And so I just declared as pastor one day to our congregation, I said, look, I got to say something very plain to you this, this morning. I am sorry, but I can't help it. I'm not black. I'm sorry I'm not black. That's my parents' fault. My parents created me, and they were white. I can't help it. I'm sorry about that. But the truth of the matter is, is there shouldn't be any argument. You can't change, Danny, the fact that you have a, a, a black coat on the outside. But you know what? You cut both of our wrists, and we both still bleed the same color of blood. Amen? And so the color has nothing to do with anything. Did you know in God is all of the colors of humanity? He put it inside of Adam, and in the beginning, Adam, who is your great, 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 and keep going, grandfather. Where did I come from? Adam, who was created by God, who told him to reproduce and multiply, and God put into him himself. He put his blood in him, his DNA connected with Jehovah. Your bloodline connects with Jehovah. I'm Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. You're Abraham's seed. What is the argument? There is none. It's just something that the devil has done to try to bring division amongst mankind. What's that got to do with healing? Everything. Man needs to be healed in his spirit concerning issues that, that we were just talking about. There shouldn't be any isms and chisms and divisions. I talked about that last time that we ministered. He said he was oppressed. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off, he was cut out of the land of the living for the transgressions of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. 
He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear the iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Redemption. That is the whole package of redemption. In one person by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He satisfied it all. He completed it. When Jesus was hanging on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Did you know the reason he said that was because what Adam did in the garden, he had to reverse it. Everything that Adam lost, Jesus had to restore it. And so when he looked out upon the crowd and he looked up to heaven, just before he said, I commend my spirit, into your hands, he said, how is it that man can live without you? I've known you forever and will know you forever. And mankind lost everything in the garden. And I don't know how they've lived up to this point without really knowing you. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He said, I get it. I get it. You had to. In order for me to bring the redemptive package, you had to do this. I get it. And then he said, I commend my spirit into your hands. He had accomplished everything that was necessary concerning your healing. The stripes that he bore on his body were for the healing of your body. The crown of thorns that were placed upon his head was for the renewing of your mind. Your Mind, your will, and your emotion. He took care of it all. Satisfying, ratifying everything in his blood for you and I so that we could be born again. Filled with the Holy Ghost and walk in the newness of life. That's his covenant promise. And anything else is less than entitlement if I'm not walking in them. And it's up to me. Pastor can't do it for you. Mama and daddy can't do it for you. Grandmama and granddaddy can't do it for you. It's up to me as an individual to get everything. You know, pastor comes up here and labors every Sunday. And I say labor because, listen, I, I know it's not, it's not really, it's a privilege and an honor. But the truth of the matter is, is pastor wants you to get it as much as what he's gotten. He wants you to get it. He wants you to go beyond. I think it's great to see these young ministers coming up. And I, I, I've, I've gotten the chance to talk with many of them and share with them. And I'm amazed at the revelation knowledge that they have. We're living in the last of the last days. Knowledge is increasing. They're not stopping or starting over. They're picking up where uh, their forefathers have left off and they're pressing forward. Their knowledge is increasing. Revelation is, is tremendous. I, I'm amazed at our pastor. Uh, my wife and I say it all the time when we leave. 
how can it get any better? He did, he did better than what he did last week. How, how can it get any better? And it's happening over and over. And many times we don't see that because we're here every week. You haven't been on the outside. I've been on the outside and I've seen what is, has been going on. And we've been here for three years and I'm telling you, I've watched in this three year period of time to see the stepping, just stepping and stepping, getting into higher dimension and higher dimension. You know why? Because God has something special going on here. Why do you think the devil is so mad and upset? He doesn't want you to get there. He wants to get you discouraged about all this that's going on right now. Don't get discouraged about it. Get back into the word. Get back into the Word. The Word is your source of supply. He is the one that is providing everything as necessary. He's not going to stop what's going to transpire and take place. Our apostle has given us the Word from God for this coming year of 2021. You need to get ready. You need to be prepared. 20 is not over with yet. A new door is still there. And it's not going to end. The new door is going to stay there and we're going to continue to walk through and go into higher heights. This church is going to explode, absolutely explode. And the truth of the matter is, is we're not ready for it. We've got to get ready. 2,000 people brings in 2,000 potential problems. Thank God for people that are getting born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. But how many of you know, uh, some of us got to give up our baby beds. We need to become nurses and doctors so that we can help to bring those that are coming in along and get them placed. Our job is not just to get them born again. Our job is to make disciples. And we're going to do it. Amen. Jesus fulfilled everything that was necessary so that I could have all that was necessary in my life. Go with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Verses 16 and 17. It said, When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word. What did he cast the spirits out with? With the word. With the word. And healed all that were sick. How many did he heal? Church is coming to a time. It's coming to a place. When people walk into this house. And the presence of God is going to be here. Because the presence of God is in you. Because you're, you're going to believe in the healing. You're going to believe in the deliverance. You're going to believe in devils being cast out. You're, uh, all of those things that he told us that we're supposed to be doing. So that when they walk in on the property, they start getting delivered from demons, from sickness, and from disease before they ever get in here to hear the word. Not that others won't come in. And need a touch from heaven. But the truth of the matter is, he's wanting you and I to be in such a position and in such an attitude of prayer before we ever get here that the service is already covered. Everything has already been released. Every demon of darkness has been bound and the power of God has been, been put forth in the yellow, uh, the red carpet of the Lord has been rolled out so that the Holy Spirit can do what he does best and that's perform the supernatural. Supernatural ought to become natural to you and I. Well, pastor, what if I've been down? What if I've been attacked? Well, go back to James. Don't have to go there right now. Go back to James chapter 1. Read those first few verses of Scripture in chapter 1. He said, count it all joy. Count it all joy. That means to leap and twirl. And don't fall over. <laughs> to leap and to twirl. Count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. 
many different kinds and forms of temptations or attacks upon your life. Count it all joy when you fall into it. How many of us rejoice and get exceedingly glad and, and happy when the enemy attacks? That's what he says to do. That's Jesus' brother talking here. You know, Jesus' brother didn't come to know him until after crucifixion. He was not a follower of his brother. It's kind of hard to follow a brother that you grew up with. Little snotty-nosed kid playing. Except I don't think he ever had a snotty nose. But he was still a young boy. I'm sure he had young boy tendencies just to enjoy life. He was a little bit different than every other boy, though he wanted to be around the father's business. He was different, but he was intended to be different. Verse number 17. He said, and it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities, and he bare our sicknesses. In Isaiah, it says, surely he hath borne our griefs. You can put in the word griefs, sicknesses, and diseases. Then it goes on, and it says, he has carried our sorrows. Our pains. What pains you? What pains have you gone through in your life? What disappointments, what heartaches, and what heartbreaks have you gone through in your life? Jesus took care of it. It's all taken care of underneath the blood covenant that Jesus gave to you and I. In verse number 10 says, in Isaiah 53 again. It says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Why? Because he knew what it was going to do for humanity. He had to do it. Remember when Jesus was in the garden praying, he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And he began to start sweating drops like as a blood. Capillaries inside the head began to burst because he was underneath such excruciating pressure of sin, sickness, disease, and pains. He did that for you and for me so that I didn't have to live my life that way. But pastor, we still go through things. Yes, we do. You still live in a human body that's subject to human tendencies. But that does not mean that we quit and give up. Well, but I failed the Lord. So what? If everybody was honest in this room, so is everybody else. But you don't know what I've done. Thank God, I don't want to know. I don't know. I don't want to know. Talk to God about it. I'm not going to tell you to go do, you know, three Hail Marys and whatever. I'm going to tell you to go to the Lord. I'm not your Savior. I'm a, I'm a like fellow in the Lord with same passions and same desires just like you. Faced with same opportunities of disappointment. It comes down to the personal relationship between you and him. All that matters is where do you stand with him? All that matters is do you believe that this Jesus that you have ascribed to has taken care of everything that pertains to life and godliness? That's the reason he told us that we can't be judges. The only thing we can be is fruit inspectors. We can examine the fruit. 
We can see if you've got your love on, got your peace on. And it only takes two or three words out of our mouths when we find out where we're at. We locate ourselves. If we're having a bad day, best thing to do is just say and be honest. You know, and just say, I'm not having a real good day, but I'm going to have a better one before this day's over with. Because I'm in covenant. I've got a covenant. Well, how are things going? Well, they're just going swell. I'm blessed. That's a good confession. I'm blessed. Yes, I am. But the truth of the matter is, sometimes we just need to say, you know what? I've been having a tough time. I'm not telling you to do that to everybody. There's some people that you can share things with, that you can get an answer from the Lord concerning. But let's not put on this, these little tags and faces of false Christianity. Let's, let's be the real deal. Let's love the way we're supposed to love. Amen? Let's let peace be the umpire of our heart and our mind so that we can let the peace of God function and flow out of us so that we can be a a ready writer with our tongue, pinning out the very things that the people that I'm around or I touch or that I come in contact with that will encourage them and bring them up higher in life. The Bible says for us to esteem others higher than ourselves. The greatest position in the kingdom of God is servant. Jesus was a servant. He went about doing good. He demonstrated what we should be doing. He went about doing good. He was touchable. You could get to Jesus. You could. You can get to our pastor. It may be by phone. It may be by text. But you can get to him. I get to him all the time. Don't you, pastor? But you're, you're, you're another pastor. No, that's not the reason. He, he did that the very, he didn't know who I was. And I asked him if he would go out and have breakfast with us. He didn't know who I was. He had no clue who I was. All he knew was that we were pastors, but he didn't know anything about me. He found out a whole lot about us when we sat down. He doesn't want to have anything to hide. I told him, I, I, I'm not looking for positions or appointments or anything like that. I just want to let the will of the Lord work through my life and help my pastor. He became my pastor. To help my pastor to fulfill the vision of this house. That's my job. I've got 31 years seniority over this pastor. But not really. Not in my mind's eye. I'm here to serve my pastor, to help my pastor. It doesn't make any difference how long I've been in service. It helps because I should know something by now. After that length of time, but I'm here to serve my pastor and our apostle to see to it that the house of God is furbished to the place to where we have everything that we need. That our people are prepared, they're ready, and on target to do whatever it is that God is telling us to do. And our shepherd is leading us, giving us vision directions, and our apostle is putting in those things that are necessary to help us to fulfill what it is that God has called this house to fulfill. That's what Jesus was doing. 
Jesus was doing everything that he had been given instruction from the Father so that you and I could become everything that God wanted Adam to become. Jesus satisfied it. He fulfilled it. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm in covenant. I've got rights. And it's my right to be able to enjoy the provisions of the Lord. In my life, and I'm believing the best for you. Matthew chapter number 5, if you would please. I'm going to skip a, a few things here. We're running out of time. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. He said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. I made that statement earlier. Jesus came to fulfill and satisfy everything in the old covenant to implement a new covenant in his blood. He didn't do away with the old covenant. How many of you still read Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You, you still quote that probably all the time. Psalm 91, you quote it all the time. That's old covenant. That is old covenant. How many of you read Deuteronomy 28? Where all the promises of provision are there, all of the... See, Israel, the children of Israel had a covenant with God, and in that covenant, they had healing. How many of you remember when Jesus was in a synagogue, and he was teaching in a synagogue, and there was a woman that came in, and she was bowed over, and had been bowed over for 18 years. His question to the leadership in the church was, why is this woman bowed over low all these years being a child of Abraham? She had an Abrahamic covenant just like they had an Abrahamic covenant. And he basically was saying, why are you allowing this to go on in the church? Eighteen years. And so he walks over, takes authority over, exercises old covenant, healing, applies it right there, and she straightens up. Now, the rabbi could have done that because he had a covenant, an Old Testament covenant. So healing has been forever. God has always had something for his people to be able to enjoy the full benefits of it. Now, Jesus just simply comes and ratifies it. He satisfies everything concerning it, and he basically, in his blood, he puts it to an end in him. So now everything is focused on a new covenant relationship that we develop through faith. It's by grace that we're saved through faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It is established because of what Jesus did. He satisfied it, and all we do is we ignite it. God gave to every man the measure of faith. When did you get the measure of faith? When I got born again. No, you didn't. You did not get it when you were born again. You got it when you were put in your mother's womb. God created you in his likeness and his image. He put in you the same thing he put in Adam. The only thing different was is you had a dead spirit. And when you accept what Jesus did for you in believing in his death, burial, and resurrection, immediately it ignites the faith that's already there. It says, by grace are you saved through faith. Where did you get the faith? Not when you got born again. You got it whenever you were born. Remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus and he said, Lord, what must I do to receive eternal life? 
He says, you got to be born of the water and you got to be born of the spirit. You got to have a natural birth and you got to have a spiritual birth. He said, how can I go back into my mother's womb? He says, you don't get it. You're not getting it. You got to be born in the natural. You got to have all of the ingredients that are necessary. And whenever you got born again, all you did was you ignited the faith that was in you that released everything else that God had already created inside of you. Does that make any sense to you? For years, I could I thought, when do you get faith? Well, you get it when you're born again. I said, but that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says it's by grace that you're saved through faith. I had to have faith before I could go through it. I had to have it. Where did I get it? I got it whenever he created me in my mother's womb. He was there. He fashioned me. He put himself in me, just like he did Adam. And whenever I allowed him to breathe into my nostrils the breath of life, I became alive. I became a quickening spirit. A dead one to a quickening one. That was exciting to me. Man, that was so exciting. I've had it all the time and I didn't know it. So everything that God has, I already have it. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I ignited the greater one inside of me. He made me alive. He quickened me. I went from death unto life. Jesus went from life unto death. Then he went from death back unto life in three days. Because he had to destroy the works of the devil. He defeated the devil in everything and made a show of him openly, not to the world, but to his kingdom. Every demon in hell knows he got whipped. Every one of them. They know it, but they act in fraud. Everything they do is a counterfeit to that which God has purposed. Because Satan is not a creator. He takes everything that God creates that's positive and good and perverts it and makes it negative. And so whenever he comes, he comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. But the Lord said, I've come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. Amen. You've got life operating on the inside of you, the life-giving force. And whenever you added the Holy Ghost to give it infusement, just like Jesus did, Jesus was perfect, but he needed the Holy Ghost. And you needed the Holy Ghost because he's what brings the supernatural. It's natural just for you to be supernatural. If the enemy comes against you, then the Holy Ghost will assist you and help you to get rid of it. Whatever it is. If coronavirus comes knocking on your door, just say, return to sender. Address unknown. That's a violation of covenant. That's what I say. That's a violation. I don't have to have headaches. I don't have to have heartaches. I don't have to have heartbreaks. That's a violation of my covenant. You're coming to steal something from me. You're trying to destroy something. And I refuse to accept that. Well, pastor, have you ever felt things in your body? Absolutely. But I'm not just going to lay there. And do nothing about it. I'm going to go back to my covenant word. What did Jesus do when he was tempted in the, uh, in the, uh, whenever he was taken away into the mountain? He was driven by the Spirit of God right after he was baptized in the Jordan River with John. He was driven into the wilderness to be tempted. The devil came against him. And he said, look, at he was hungry. 
He had been fasting and seeking the Lord for 40 days. You would be hungry too. And he said, why don't you turn these stones into bread? I'm sure it was tempting. But his immediate response was, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Thank God for Jesus. He set the pace and he led the way. That's the reason he could honestly say, I am the way. I am the truth. I've lived it. I've demonstrated it. And I'm life. There is none other. That's where the covenant dwells, right there, is in what Jesus did for you and I. When Jesus took it on his back, he took the sickness. He took the disease. He finalized it. And from the day you were conceived until the time you came out into this world, you were the healed. You were the saved. You were the righteous. All you had to do was appropriate it. Well, I claim it. No, appropriate it. Do what James says. Faith without action is useless. It's worthless. What is it that I need to do? By faith, I need to accept it, and then I need to command my body to line up with it. I get the word, I take the word, and I apply it to myself. How many of you know you can lay hands on the sick? Well, get your hands on yourself. Your hands are anointed. They're instruments that are in God's use if you use them. You got a headache? Put your hands on your head. Amen? And then there will be less telephone calls to pastor. Because now we're doing what we're supposed to do. Is we're appropriating what Jesus has done for us. Can you say amen? Uh, One more scripture and then we're going to end right here. Go with me to Matthew chapter number 8. Oh, excuse, yeah, 8, 5. We're going to start at verse 5. It says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy. What's the matter with his servant? He's sick. He's sick of the palsy. Uh, He said, grievously tormented. Sounds like COVID-19. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. What did Jesus tell him he would do? He said, I will come. I'll go with you. I'll lay hands on him. I'll do exactly what you're asking me to do. He's a servant. He's willing to do anything that you need him to do. I mean, that's, that's, that's in his line of business, wouldn't you say? He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. That's his line of business. That's what he's doing. And he says, And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only. What did he tell him to speak? He says, speak the word. How much word do you think you get here? Every Sunday and every Wednesday, you are given the word. You're given the unadulterated word. You're not given some thought or some uh, religious uh, connotation of what the word says. You're given the word. By revelation, knowledge, and insight into who you are and what you possess in him. So we're without excuse. We get the word. We can't complain about the word. We get the word. But what we need to do is get a hold of the word 
and make it real in us. Amen. Not just to hear about it. I don't want to just hear about what the centurion did. I want to be the centurion. I want to be like the centurion. I don't want to be his person. I want to be like the centurion. I want to think that way. He recognized someone that had authority in another kingdom that he operated in. And so he says, you can do this, sir. He said, I want you to speak the word. If you'll speak the word, then I know that my servant will be made whole. And Jesus turns to his disciples. He says, I haven't seen so great faith. No, not in all of Israel. He says, you guys aren't doing it. He said, but here we have a Roman soldier who doesn't even believe in the God that we, that we believe in. But yet he sees in me something that is different because he goes on and he tells him, he said, sir, I say to one go and he, he goeth and to another come and he cometh. He said, basically, I see the same thing in you. You operate in a, in a kingdom that I'm unfamiliar with, but I know that if you will speak the word, I know that my servant will be made whole. And Jesus said, I haven't seen so great a faith, no, not in all of Israel. And so he spoke the word. And so he went home, and when he got home, what did he find? He said that his servant was healed within the self-same hour. Man, that's the kind of authority and the power that you and I have. The centurion recognized. We need to recognize what a blessing of a house that we are living in. I don't mean just this house. I mean this house. This house is a blessing. Furnishes us with good food. Our pastor is doing a good job. He is feeding the flock. Did you know church is not for the lost? It was never designed for the lost. It was designed for you to come to the filling station and get filled up so you could go out and to demonstrate what it was that you just got filled up with. And then in the meantime, between the next time that you met, they met three times a day. They came together. They were in fellowship all the time. We have a hard time of two hours. What would we do in Brush Arbor days when they would, when they would preach all morning, all night, Go home for a couple of hours, come back for service again because the Holy Ghost was moving. Some of the great tent revivals that took place. We used to have three, four, five week moves of the Holy Ghost in churches. Then it went down to three day type services. But we shouldn't have to go anywhere. We get everything we need right here. I mean, thank God for all the other ministries. We appreciate them and everything else, but this is, this is my home. This is where my seed belongs. This is, this is where I belong, is to be planted in the house of the Lord so that I can flourish and I can grow and spring up and bring out new branches in my life. Praise God. Well, Jesus is good. He came to set us free. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I have a covenant with God. And I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to be a big part of what God's doing here. In Jesus' name. You're blessed. And I'm blessed. Amen. Pastor. Pastor.